You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Well, good morning and welcome to Live Your Calling, What on Earth Am I Here For? It's going to be a great morning today and a great kickoff as we take the next six weeks and we really answer the question like, what on earth am I here for? What's the purpose of my life? I think a lot of people in life are wandering through life and they're kind of living the expectation of culture or of family or of other people and they're just maybe handling life as it's handed to them and it's not necessarily that they're actually living for purpose and they have this inner sense of what on earth am I here for? What would, if, if things could change, if life could get reorchestrated, how could I in fact live my purpose? Why am I alive and what am I supposed to do with my life? Now this series uh, comes from Rick Warren's book, uh, Live Your Calling, What on Earth Am I Here For? And it's going to be an amazing time as we walk through just some of his outlines over the next couple weeks. It's not original with me, but you're going to get a lot of Dave Flagg, my style, my way of just communicating this great content. But the beautiful thing is, as a church, this is why we're going to walk through it all together. I'm going to be growing and learning like you're going to be growing and learning. Every uh, week, we're going to start reading in the book. The reading plan in this book starts tomorrow. It's included in your program, and so you can grab that right away, and you can grab books out there. But uh, we're going to start reading the book every day tomorrow. We're going to gather on Sundays just like we are right now, and then we're going to gather in circles during the week in a group context, and we're going to understand better if you give yourself to those three experiences, you are going to grow dramatically over the next 40 days. Kind of as we're heading up into Easter, we want from our children all the way to our senior adults and everybody in between, we want to grow together as a church to understand how to live our calling and what on earth we're here for. And this is why you need this sermon, because I do think most people are carried along. They react to life instead of being purpose-driven about their life. And so they're just waiting for life to hand them things and they react to them, or they're following the life plan. Maybe your life plan looks like this. I get you know, educated, I get work, I work, I hopefully save enough to retire, and then I plan out. I think God's plan for our lives is that we're supposed to have a career somewhere in there, but along the way, we are to live our calling, and they are not the same thing. And when you retire, retirement particularly just funds you living your calling, that your call doesn't end. And so we're going to look in what in the world uh, are you on earth for over the next six weeks. I think you're going to find out what is God's purpose, what is God's call, what is God's plan on your life. One of the most loved promises in Scripture is found in Romans 8, 28, and it says this, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. And and what they do is they typically then will leave out the second half of that verse. So they love that first part, that in all things, whether it's good stuff, bad stuff, ugly stuff, God's going to work for those who love him, but they leave out the second half, which says this, who have been called according to his purpose. The word called. What do you think of when you think of the word called? I typically think of interruptions. I'm not, I don't love the phone. It's not one of my favorite things. And, and I typically don't love phone calls because it either means um, that it's an interruption. Either I'm busy doing things or I'm relaxing. A lot of times in my role when I get a phone call, it's not always good news, right? 
Somebody's in the hospital, somebody's sick, somebody's having problems. I mean, there's, there's just a lot there. So it can be, in many ways, it can be an interruption. It might be that you're tired, and, and I don't know how you feel about what it, when you think of the word called. Some of you love it, like, my phone actually rang, someone thought of me. But not everybody is that way, right? That you begin to think about it. Today, we're going to focus on the word called. And I want you to understand this, that in the verse we just looked at, it says, to those who are called according to his purpose. I want you to understand that calling and purpose go together. That the one who calls also has a purpose for your life. And we're going to look at what does that mean? How do I know if I'm called? What does it mean? What, are you saying, Dave, are you, I'm called the full-time ministry? No, that's not what I'm saying. Are you saying I'm called to a vocation? I'm not saying a vocation. That, but I am saying that there's a calling on your life. There's a purpose. The God who calls is a God who also purposes what he wants you to do in your life. The word in Greek for call is kaleo. Kind of easy to remember because it just means call, kaleo. And it's used over a hundred times in the New Testament to describe God's purpose, his assignment, his reason for your life. So God's got it in different times. He'll say that the Lord called us or we were called. And, and they're talking about God's assignment, his purpose in your life over a hundred times. In Latin, we took the word and we said the word is vocation. Vocation. But we downgraded vocation to mean career. But the word called is so much more than just career, isn't it? That if there's a calling on your life, that's far different than just having a career that you work or what you do. And the Bible is really a true, it's really kind of a, a true um, account of people answering God's call. I didn't want to say true story, because when people hear the word story, they think fake. But the reality is the Bible's full of very real, true accounts of real people who really lived who are responding to God's call in their life. And you might think of people like Noah, or Abraham, or Moses, or Samuel, or David, or Isaiah, or Paul, and you go, well, those like were the all-stars. No, they, weren't. they were just regular people. They were people like you, or like me, who have a call in their life, and they just responded. The Bible, time and again, is a real account of people responding to the call of God in their life. Over the next six weeks, we're going to look at five specific dimensions of God's call on your life and how to fulfill your calling. So here's my prayer for you. My prayer of the next six weeks for us, for our church, for us together as we grow together in community, as we walk through reading these things, as we talk on the weekends, and my prayer is this, that, that light will flood your hearts and that you will understand the hope that was given to you when God called you. Then you'll discover the glorious blessings that will be yours together with all of God's people. I want you to discover God's call in your life. I want you to discover the blessings that come along with that. That's my prayer over the next six weeks. So we ask the question, what do I need to know about my life's calling? And so take out your outline. We're going to spend some time together talking about eight specific things you need to know about God's calling on your life. Number one, my calling is a gift from God. It's a gift, and it's from God. I don't earn it. I don't deserve it. Some of you are like, I don't think God should call me because I don't think I deserve it. You don't. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. I don't work for it. None of us in these things, we, it's a gift. It's like a gift. You don't 
earn a gift. You don't deserve oftentimes a gift. You don't work for a gift. The truth is, it's just simply a gift. It's graciously given to you by God. It's a present. Galatians 1, chapter, uh, 1 verse 6 says this, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. There were people in Galatia who were getting away from the very gift of God's grace and they were going back to performance. So they were trying to say, hey, if God's got to call my life, then I got to I got to live up to it. If God's got to call my life, then I need to perform for God's acceptance. And, And Paul begins to counter that in the book of Galatians. But I love what he says. He said that the one who called you to live in grace. What is grace? It's undeserved kindness. God is undeserved kindness toward you. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. You can't make it happen. You can't say, I deserve. God is saying, you don't. That's the whole point. It's a gift that I'm extending as God, his kindness to you, even though you don't deserve it. Your calling is part of your gift of salvation. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, it's at that time that God says, as part of that gift of salvation is your calling, which, by the way, I purposed way in advance. Before you said yes to Jesus, Jesus already had a calling and a purpose for your life. So I want you to understand that in 2 Timothy 1, uh, verse 9, just the beginning of that verse, Paul is writing to Timothy, one of his protégés, and he said he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. So again, he's saying, listen, you're called, and your call has purpose in your life, but it's also part of grace. Those two go together. You can't separate them. Your calling is a gift from God. I want you to, if you have a, if you have a paper Bible, you can circle the word purpose in that verse. If you have a, something else, you can highlight it. But it's purpose and grace that God's calling on your life is a gift from him. He originated it. Number two on your outline is I'm called for God's purpose. God didn't make you for you. God made you for himself. And this is a big difference. What happens in our culture is we live like people who have a worldly worldview and we're trying to attach God to a worldly worldview. So I'm trying to invite God into what I think on politics. I'm trying to invite God into what I think on on culture. I'm trying to involve God in what I think on how I ought to live my life. I, I already have a plan for what my life ought to look like. I could frame a little picture of what I think my life should look like. And I'm trying to involve God. Like, God, I want to invite you into my plan. But I want you to realize that that's not a believer. A believer is one who says, God, I want to live my life with a biblical worldview so that I filter what I think about the rest of life through this book and this book has claim on my thoughts, has claim on my behaviors, has claim on how I live my life, how I handle my resources, how I orchestrate my future, how I raise my children. In all these ways, the Bible's gonna be the ultimate authority. That's a person who believes in God and has a biblical worldview. And what God does is he begins to take us, because we all start off with a worldly point of view, and he wants to move us to a biblical worldview. That we begin to say, God, it's not about what I think or what I feel or simply inviting you along for my ride. We begin to realize as we study the pages of the Bible that it is for his plan and his purpose, not your plan. God is not to come alongside our plan and be a genie in our lives. 
but rather that we are to align our lines with his purpose, his call, his plan for our lives. God made you for himself. There were two twins in the Old Testament, Jacob and Esau. Esau was born first, and then Jacob was the second of these two twins. And they came out, and, and, and God in his orchestration of their lives makes an interesting assessment. Each person, by the way, Esau had a unique call, and Jacob had a unique call. But in the New Testament, in Romans chapter 9, Paul says this, Yet before the twins were born, or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose and election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told, that speaking of their mom, the older will serve the younger. Now this is an interesting statement. Because normally the older would have all the privilege. The older would have the authority. The older would have a double blessing in the inheritance. The older would have all the advantages, all the rights, all the privileges. And yet, before they were born, his mom was told, these twins' mom was told that the older is actually going to serve the younger according to God's purpose and plan. Now, if you are a younger child, if you have an older brother or an older sister, this is a great verse for you. Right? The old, you might want to throw that out there. Just by the way, I was reading in the Bible today, and it said that the older is going to serve the younger. I just want to remind you of that. That's great if you want to be competitive. Now, if you're a middle child like me, you're stuck. Doesn't work out so well, right? But in this situation, in this story, God said, listen, before these guys, they're twins. Before they did anything good or bad, before they did anything right or wrong, before they were born, I called each of them to their purpose, and he decided it was God's decision. And God said, in this case, in this family situation, the way that my purposes are going to work is that Esau, the older, is actually going to come along and serve Jacob, the younger. And they were competitive about it, but it's so beautiful when you read that account in Genesis, how God reconciled those two brothers, and you watch God's purposes being fulfilled. Pretty amazing. In ninth grade, I learned what God's call was for my life. I wanted to be a soccer player, and God began putting on my heart, Dave, I want you to be a pastor. And I was like, mm-mm. God, I would really like to invite you along onto my path. God, I'd like to invite you along onto my career, my journey, what I think I would like to do, and that is to play soccer full-time forever. Because I thought I could forever, and now I'm older, and I realize there's no way, right? So that's what I thought I was going to do, but God began to persist. And he began to put a call in my life for vocational ministry. And that's not everybody's call, but that was his purpose in my life. That was his call on my life. And so I had to just really think through my mind as a ninth grader, what am I going to do about this? Am I going to respond to God's call? And I did. I finally said, okay, God, yes, if that's what you want me to do, then I'll do it. And I'm telling you, within like not even a month, as strong as I wanted to be a soccer player, God had changed my heart's desire to do what he wanted. Like, I wanted to be a pastor as much as I previously wanted to be a soccer player, but God didn't change my feelings until I submitted my direction of my life, until I submitted to his purpose. And what I want you to understand is that you have a gift from God. It's your calling that he is called, you are called for God's purpose. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, to all of us it says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God what? Help me out here. Prepared in advance for us to do. 
Okay, and some people look at that and they go, oh, that's only the works that God prepared for us to do. Uh, that, you know, hey, he, he wants us to do good stuff and, and he thought about it ahead of time. It, God doesn't just want your performance. I want you to realize the first part of that verse. The first part of that verse, if you guys put that back up there, first part of that verse in Ephesians 2.10 is this, for you are God's handiwork. It, it's this idea of this workmanship. You're like an artist's song. Their own creation, a painter's masterpiece. You're like a poem that God has specifically created and artistically designed you for his purpose. God doesn't make junk. And some of you think that you're junk or your life is junk. And I want you to understand that God doesn't make junk. He actually prepared this and the works that you and I would do in advance. Which leads to number three, that God chose my calling before I was born. Before you and I were born, God chose us, Galatians 1.15. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased, and it goes on from there. God set you apart, where? From your mother's womb, before you were born, while you were being formed. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations, as he's speaking to Jeremiah. But there's something that you see here. You begin to see God prepare people and know them and be pleased with them and to give purpose to them before you were born. Before you're born, God has a purpose for your life. He is pleased with who you are. He's creating and crafting you specifically to live your calling. And some people go, well, I don't know. I, I just don't have much to bring to the table. I don't, I'm not like other people. But I'd love to give you Nick Vujicic as an example. Nick is a guy with no arms and no legs. For much of his life, he has to be carried around and cared for. But this guy goes around and he speaks all over the world about how God has a design and a hope and a purpose for your life. And here's a guy with no arms and no legs. But he's living his calling and he's bringing hope to people. They say, wow, if, if God could use a guy with those limitations, then maybe God could live a, a, through me and work through me and bring purpose to my life. But sometimes you and I, we're living like we have no arms and no legs. You're being carried through life. You're waiting for life to pick you up and carry you around because you, you feel like, oh, I can't move myself, or I don't know where I'm supposed to go, or I don't know what my calling is, I don't know what my purpose is. And over the next six weeks, we're going to really look at what does it mean to live your calling. In Isaiah chapter 44, verse 2, this is what the Lord says, he who made you, who formed you where? In the womb and will help you. Do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant, upright one, whom I have chosen. In the book of Isaiah, he's not talking to a specific person, Jacob. He's basically saying, listen, I'm talking about the nation. Because Isaiah was written far after Jacob was born. But it's referring back to God's plan, his purpose through those people saying, listen, even for you, specifically Jacob, I knew before you were born what your purpose would be. And now in Isaiah, he's saying, for you, the people of Israel, I'm going to live out through you my purposes. And it's not just to be the people of God, but that through the Jewish people, Christ would come and be the hope for all the nations. 
God's saying, listen, through generations, through multiple things, I'm looking at the big picture, and your life specifically works toward my purpose when you live your calling. What does this teach us? A couple fill in the blanks for you. First, I'm not an accident. I'm not an accident. God's our creator. If you think your life is an accident, you're going to live like it. If you think your life is an accident, then you're going to accidentally go through life without any purpose. You'll just try to react to life instead of being purposeful about your life. You'll just live like it. You'll sabotage things in your life because you think that you're an accident, that you have no purpose, that you, that you really just are some speck of organic material without a purpose in life, and you'll live like that. But God says, before you were born, I know you. I purposed you. Also, I want you to know you're deeply loved. You are deeply loved. You were in my care. Even while you were growing inside, God loved you. He deeply cared for you while you were being formed. Listen, that, that thing inside, that's not just a fetus. It's a baby with purpose. It's chosen. It's known by God. It's given a purpose. And if you are, have the gift of being a parent, then I want you to reinforce for your kids that God has a purpose for them. Now, don't tell them what you think God's purpose is, right? Too many helicopter parents are trying to direct the purpose of their kids' lives or they're trying to live through vicariously through their kids' lives. But don't do that. In fact, but tell them God's got a calling on your life. He's got a purpose for you. And we are so excited to come alongside you and discover what that is. So they seek the Lord, they find their purpose in life, and you applaud it as a parent. But give them a sense of destiny. Give them a sense of understanding that they are deeply loved, they are in God's care, and that God planned your life before you were born. Every week uh, while we're here doing the 40, well, these 40 days of Live Your Calling, we're going to memorize a verse each week. And we've got a little bookmark that will be given to you in your groups, and this bookmark has the verses on it. And the first one that we're going to look at is this verse, Isaiah 44, 2, the beginning part says, I am your creator. You were in my care before you were born. God has a calling on your life, and he cared for you before you were even born. Number four in your outline is that my sins uh, and mistakes don't change my call. See, when you have a performance gospel, you think that when you mess up, that you're used up and you're discarded. But what I love about the Bible is I see people who mess up dramatically all the time. And God uses them still. It didn't change his purpose. It didn't change his call on their life. Listen, it doesn't matter how much you've messed up your life so far. And maybe when I mentioned just, again, that, that baby being born inside or, or created inside is not just a fetus. Maybe some of you felt like you just felt regret because you lost a child that you were hoping to have. And you're like, God, I'm just trying to reconcile that, that loss. 
Maybe you look back at your life and you say, I messed up. Maybe you had an addiction. Maybe you had an abortion. Maybe you were an adulterer. Maybe you were a thief. Or maybe you're like Paul, who was a religious terrorist. He was a murderer. And yet God used him in his life, saying, listen, it doesn't matter how much you've messed up your life so far. You have the chance now to respond to my call, to my purpose in your life. That's what grace is. Grace says you don't deserve it. You don't deserve to be a part of God's purpose. You don't deserve to be a part of God's plan. And grace is I'm going to call you anyway. And I purposed you anyway. And even though you've messed up in all these ways, my grace is sufficient for you that God is made powerful in your and my weaknesses. That's why it's good news. That's why it's great news that we can respond to God's call. Now, 1 Timothy 1, chapter 12 says... Uh, chapter 1 verse 12 says I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy appointing me to his service even though I was once a blasphemer a persecutor and a violent man I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief what is Paul saying Paul's saying I did a lot of dumb stuff that's what he's saying I did everything to ruin my life by 40 is what Paul's saying. Like everything I could do, I pretty much did that. And yet God in his grace has a purpose and a plan. His sins and mistakes don't change God's call. Listen, God doesn't waste what happens. In fact, God will take your hurts and your sins. He wants to take your and my mess and he wants to make a message out of it that feeds his purpose. Not your fame. He wants to feed his purpose. God's going to use even your sin in ways that are huge, that you could relate to people. He's going to use sins even in a way that make you understand that he loves you. That you are not the end all of everything, but that God cares for you so much. God's going to make a message in your life that aligns with his purposes, not yours. So part of my calling comes out of my pain. You might remember that quote from Chuck Colson. That he said, listen, part of my actual calling in life, what I'm supposed to do, is not simply be in politics, but what I'm supposed to do, Chuck Colson said, is that part of his calling comes out of his pain, his mistakes, his errors, his sins. That God took his mess and would make a message out of it. And who would he to be called into God's service? Would he deserve it? No, but that's what grace is all about. Number five, your calling is permanent. When God calls a person, their calling is permanent. Your calling can't be taken from you. Listen, it's not your job, and your calling is not your career. Your occupation will change many times in life, but calling doesn't change. Romans eleven twenty nine says this, For God's gifts and his call are what? Irrevocable. It doesn't change. Now listen, some of you think, well, that used to be my calling, but I messed up. And so I pulled back or just kind of caved in. Listen, no, the expression of your calling may change. Like where you use your calling, how you use your calling, in what ways you use your calling. But your calling doesn't change. Does that make sense? When you and I mess up, it may say, hey, listen, that may be, have been prohibited some expressions of it. But again, where and how and when, no matter what happened, you still have the same gifts. You still have the same calling. God's calling on your life is permanent. And number six, my calling is connected to others. You can't fulfill it by yourself. 
calling and community go together. I referenced Nick Vujicic. Now, he can't live out his calling and travel and speak and do what he does without other people around him. He needs people to carry him, like literally like pick him up and carry him. And as he's walking through crowds, it's not him walking, he's being carried by someone. And as he goes through transports or gets ready in all these different ways, he needs people. He, he can't live his calling and travel internationally and speak without people around him. His calling is connected to people. And let me tell you, you can't fulfill God's calling in your life by yourself. Calling and community go together. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called. None of your body parts work when they're disconnected from the others, right? If the doctor opens you up and takes a part out, that part doesn't work anymore. When it's disconnected from you and put in a jar or something, right, it doesn't work. If you were to chop your arm off and put it on the ground, it's not like Pirates of the Caribbean. It doesn't keep, you know, coming after you. It doesn't work anymore. And in the same way, if you try to say, I'm going to live my calling, but I'm going to separate from the body of Christ. I'm going to separate from community. I'm just going to do this on my own. Guess what happens? You just rendered yourself ineffective. You won't realize God's purpose in your life. You won't fulfill your calling apart from community. Well, how do you get your calling connected? How do you get connected in community? It's through the church. It's through the body of Christ. Think of all that as a church, Sun Grove, we're able to do together that none of us could do individually because we come together corporately to live as the body of Christ and fulfill God's purposes. And we've got a team in India right now who this morning, well, well whenever it's morning there for them, that they will go down and they will go to the in Varanasi to the Ganges River and they will see people burning bodies and going out on the Ganges River and worshiping Hindu and they will go out and sing praises to the real true living God on the Ganges River and they will go and they will meet the needs of the least of these and the poorest of the poor and the people that other people call rat eaters and others they will do all this on that today is when that starts for them well how are they there how are we able to reach to India it's because of people like you and me who say, God's given us a heart. None of us could do that simply on our own. But when God's call is on your life, his plan, his purpose, we come together in community, we're able to do things in places like Mexico, Zimbabwe, Nigeria, El Salvador, India, and Lord willing, someday China. But again, we can do things together. God's calling on your life is important. So often people come and say, I, I, have a, I have a, you know, a dream for a ministry here. We have a dream to start a ministry to, you know, memorial people when they have a, a death in the family. And, the, and my first response to Bruce and Kelly would be, who's your team? When Bruce and Kelly came and said, hey, we want to be able to start a ministry to memorial people, I said, who's your team? Who's going to serve with you? Because if it's all up to you, right, the enemy, all he's got to do is pick you off and then the whole thing falls apart, Right? And they have been so blessed, and so many of you have been so blessed to serve with that team to see how God reaches his hope to people who are at the darkest time of life when they have a loss. And the love of God is extended to them in ways literally they can almost taste. Your calling has got to be connected to community. That's why here at Sun Grove we say we want you to encounter God. Second thing, grow through community. Why? So you can live your calling. But you can't just go from encountering God to live your calling. 
If you do that, you jump the whole preparatory step. You jump the whole team phase, and that is to grow in community. We're better together. We need people to come alongside us. And this is why we are talking about the value of circling up during the week. Obviously not here on the weekend, but during the week we want you to get in home groups that circle up with each other and talk deeper about what you're reading in the book and what we're talking about on the weekend. And there's a video study that goes along with it and it's going to be a great time. And, and so many of us want to step back and be like, I don't know, I, I, I just want to learn on this stuff on my own. But again, that would be like encountering God and trying to go live your calling. And God says, what if part of your calling is connected to who you would meet, who you would get to know in a circle during the week? So what if for six weeks only, you and I were to get together in a group and circle up during the midweek? How great could that be? A number of years ago, uh, we did a similar kind of thing at a church I used to serve at. And, and so we had a time where we stood up in the middle of service and we just invited the people around us. By the way, how many of you typically sit in the same area every Sunday morning? Come on, be honest. Yep, I see most of you. That's right. You know, so you're typically going to meet and greet. You're going to talk to the same people around you. And I remember there's this gal named Andrea. And we stood up and we just in- invited her. And she was a single mom with a teeny little boy. And we just said, hey, why don't you come to our group? And to this day, we're kind of like fast friends. Why? Because we spent six weeks in a group together. And every week, we would stand up and say, hi, hi, shake hands, right? But we never entered community. It wasn't until we circled up that we actually got in community. And to this day, like even through Facebook or anything, she's still in Southern California. She's married now, has a couple other kids. But like even to this day, we're connected in community. Number seven on your outline, grab that thing back, is this, that God empowers what he calls me to do. What God calls you to do, he equips and enables you to do it. When I commit to my calling, he commits his strength and power. And that's what happens, right? You're saying, okay, God, I will take a step toward my calling. And maybe my step toward your calling is I'm going to get in a group. Maybe your step toward my calling is I'm going to be reading this. I don't know. You don't have to have it all together or know what it all is right now. But here's what happens. When you and I step, then God goes, I'll get on board with that. I will empower that. When you choose, God's a gentleman. He didn't force you to discover your calling. But what he does is he'll say, listen, once you commit, then I will get on board with that. And he'll step in and he will absolutely come alongside what he wants to do. He'll bring his power, he'll bring his strength, and he will enable you to do that. And I just want to tell you over the next six weeks, what you want to do is get real with God, get real with yourself, and get real with other people. See, we want to look like we have it all together. Oh, I'm living my, I'm fine. I'm doing great. I'm living my calling. No problem, right? No. Let's be real. Get real with God. Get real with yourself. Get real with other people as you grow through community. So what we want to do over the next six weeks, again, we want to come on Sundays just like this. We Secondly, we want to read this book daily. Third, we want to get in a circle and learn with other people. And fourth, we're going to memorize one verse each week. Four things we're going to do every single week. And what we're going to do starting next week is we're going to out loud say the memory verse together that we memorized Together, and you'll get that when you enter your group. Your group leader will give you the cards with that information on it. It's also in the book what the verse is uh, for the week, and you'll be able to do that starting next week. Ephesians 4.1 says this, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Paul was a prisoner at this point in time. But he was a prisoner because he was serving Jesus Christ. And he's saying, listen, live a life worthy of the calling you. Your calling is high. 
So step into it is what he's saying. 2 Thessalonians 1.1, Paul writes, With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that, listen, by his power, he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. You can count on God to give you the strength and the discipline to do this. We need to participate with what God wants to do in us over the next 40 days. Could you imagine if between now and Easter, you walked a process where you really were discovering what God's call in your life is. You begin to discover that you have purpose. What on earth am I here for? How does my career feed into my calling? What if you discovered that? What if you said, man, I really live with purpose besides just surviving And you move to an area where you're beginning to thrive, saying, God, your power is strengthening me to do what I never thought was possible. 1 Thessalonians 5.24, Paul writes, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. God's going to come alongside, and he's going to say, when you take that step toward him, he said, I will empower that. I will strengthen that. I will bring my full power to that. I will come alongside you when you are coming alongside your purpose in my life. And God will say, I will get on board with that. I will bring my power and strength to make sure that that actually is fulfilled and it happens. As we talked about last week, point eight, there's a reward for living out my calling. There's a reward for living out my calling. God promises a reward that will last forever. Wouldn't that be nice? Something that actually lasts forever. Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There is an eternal reward. What is one of the highlights of the heavenly reward? Well, they'll talk about specific rewards in the Bible. But one of the highlights of heavenly reward is that you and I get to share in God's glory. I want you to think about that for just a minute. See, God can keep all his glory to himself. He's God. He can keep his might, his honor, his glory, his power. He can keep all of that to himself. But one of the beautiful things about the gift of salvation is that we get to share in God's glory. The angels indirectly worship and praise and honor the glory of God, but they're not cast away from his presence unless they followed Satan early on in the existence of angels. But humans, and one thing that the angels marvel at, is that human beings, God's masterpiece, God's creation, we get to share in the glory of God. He could keep it to himself, but he chooses to share those with those he has purposed and called. I mean, who are you and I to, to share in that? I mean, honestly, wow. Who are you? Who am I? That we would get to share in God's glory. And that's why we leverage this life for that reward. 1 Thessalonians 2.11 says, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls us into his kingdom and glory. We are co-starring with God for eternity. It's such a weird idea, it's such a unique idea, because he's deserving of all of it. And yet he says, yet I invite you to be co-heirs with Christ. 
It's amazing. It's an eternity with God that we share if we'll live out our calling. Here's the fact. God is calling you. Will you answer his call? And maybe for some of you in this room, the first step of answering that call is that you've never come to Christ. You've never said, okay, God, I will come to you. I need to stop living for myself. I'm at the end of myself. I need to start living for you. And for just a moment, with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, I just want you to think about your own life. But for a moment here, that you would begin just to say, God, have I been living for me? If I'm honest with myself and with you and with others, have I really just been living for me? Maybe you're a believer in the room already and you're, you're just acknowledging it's so easy to live what I want to do. And maybe God's got something greater. Maybe you need to move from being a believer who has a worldly worldview to a believer who has a biblical worldview. And if you're a believer right now, you need to just address that with the Lord. But there are some in this room, you've never given your life to Christ. You've never said yes to that free gift of salvation. You've never had your sins forgiven and washed away. You never have had that moment where God forgave your sins, but he also called you to his purpose. And if that's you today, if you need to give your life to Christ, then you pray a prayer. He hears you right where you're sitting. And you just repeat something like this after me. Jesus, today I give you me. I believe that you're God, that you died for my sin, and that you rose to new life. I ask you to make me a new creation, give my life purpose and meaning, because today I give you me. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.